I'm Dan Dews. And I'm Meredith Kelly. The hosts of Little Listener's Lounge. Be prepared to listen and learn about the magic of kids' podcasts. We talk to hosts, creators, producers, and writers and peek behind the scenes of their work. We've had some amazing guests. The deputy director of NASA. Everybody pretending to run away from a T-Rex. Is this what jellyfish are made out of? I see Lincoln's underpants. Join us to learn something new about some of your favorite podcasts. Subscribe to Little Listener's Lounge wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, BKFK listeners. We have another very special interview and story for you today. This story is by Owen Colfer. He is the mega best-selling author of the Artemis Fowl series. You read those, didn't you, Ruby? Oh, I love those books. I used to read them when I was younger. Exactly. Well, he's written a new story called Juniper's Christmas. It's a heartwarming, adventurous Christmas story of hope, magic, and saving Santa Claus. In this story, 11-year-old Juniper Lane is thrown into a Christmas adventure like no other when she seeks the help of a mysterious woodsman living in her local park, who she suspects is Santa himself, and accidentally gets exposed to North Pole magic. Join a boisterous cast of characters, including a neighbor who always believed in Santa, a young reindeer in training, and a cutthroat crime boss out to steal Santa's magic on an unpredictable journey bursting with Owen Colfer's signature exuberance and merriment. With cheerful, festive illustrations, this is a beautifully packaged tale of wonder, sure to inspire the Christmas spirit in your whole family. Hello, Owen. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. What can kids expect when they read Juniper's Christmas? I think they can expect something that's a little bit different from my other books, uh, but also has the same kind of uh, high adventure, interesting and exotic characters, a lot of humor, and hopefully a very emotional quest at the center of the book. And so if you get to the end of the book, your spirits will be lifted, you feel happier, and you feel exhausted like you've been on that adventure yourself. So it's really an immersive story that plunges us all as readers into the center of Juniper's adventure. So I hope you like being plunged into the center of adventures. If you do, you're in the right place. Owen, we have quite a young audience. What age range would you recommend for this book? It all depends, as you know, on the reading level uh, of the child. But I think if you're a really good reader as a primary teacher, I would say eight would be the youngest. But it is very suitable uh, as a book to be read to you. So if you have a big brother or a big sister who would read the bedtime story, this would be perfect. Uh, and I think we're going to find out from your own colleagues that acting this out is going to work really well because there's a lot of very funny dialogue and there's a lot of big hijinks and adventures. So I, I think it would work really well as a, a little, as a family event where your auntie or uncle or brother or sister could read it to you at bedtime if you're under seven. What is the most important thing about Christmas for you? Well, for me, the Christmas season is all about family. And as I get older, my brothers, I have four brothers and they all have, we all have our own lives. Some of us have our own family. So sometimes we don't see each other as often as we would like. But Christmas, everybody drops what they're doing and we all get to the same house. There could be 50 people crammed into our house and it's the most joyous 
occasion and you just think to yourself, why don't I make more of an effort to meet my family during the year? It's that line in the sand. You're not going to go past that day without seeing your family. And the older I get, the more important that becomes. Okay, let's pause our discussion for a moment. I think it's time to hear a little bit of the story. Ruby, let's hear it. Juniper's Christmas. I'm sure you know Santa's story. Everyone knows it, but since it's one of the greatest tragedies of all time, I shall summarize it here before we move on to the story of a girl from London who would track down Santa Claus when he hid himself away from the world. It all started one Christmas past, when young Nicholas Claus was getting a feel for his future job by working as a postman in North London. One lunchtime, Nicholas met a university student in Cedar Park who was volunteering at a local shelter and spoke so passionately about helping the people experiencing homelessness that Nicholas was utterly and immediately besotted. The young woman, Sarika, may not have been quite so quickly smitten, but she agreed to a first date, and then another, and then a third, by which time Sarika realized that she had found her true love. And so Nicholas Claus confessed his family secret, and when Sarika had finished her degree, they moved to the North Pole. There, they tied the knot under what all the wedding guests agreed was the most magnificent aurora borealis in years. Young Nicholas eventually inherited his father's magical work sack and took over the family business. And they lived happily ever after. Not exactly ever after, but for a time. Nicholas made a most excellent Santa. He was a list man by nature, was as strong as a horse, had a way with animals, and liked cookies a little too much. He grew into the job with the support of his wife, Sarika. But the mantle of Father Christmas weighs heavily on a soul, and after 40 years or so, Nicholas found himself growing disheartened with his job. Even though Christmas Eve flashes by in a single night for most people, for Nicholas, inside a bubble of Santa slow time, it went on for more than a year. So that made 40 years in all, during which he did not see his beloved wife and had put on several kilos thanks to a diet of mince pies and cookies. His frustration was only increased by elf reports showing that more and more North Pole presents were being dumped every season while still in their wrapping paper. And then one year, Sarika fell ill. Very ill, in fact. And there was nothing elfin doctors could do to save her with either tools or magic. Santa could not bear to let his beloved wife go, and so he broke one of the rules of the North Pole and took his wife along on the Christmas Eve trip. 
Sarika and Nicholas lived in Santa's slow time for over a year, and that time changed Nico forever. He watched his wonderful wife struggle bravely with her illness, and with every present delivered, he resented more and more the demands of children who took him from Sarika's side. Finally, when the last gift was tucked under the last tree, Nico realized that he was keeping Sarika with him for his own benefit, although she never complained and hardly ever let the pain show in her eyes. He knew it was time to let her go. And so when Nico landed the sleigh at the North Pole, he wrapped up Sarika in her favorite blanket and they watched the Aurora Borealis one last time. When Nico felt Sarika's spirit leave her body, he cried bitter tears and he thought, that's it for me, dearest. I have given enough to this job. Nico buried the love of his life in glacier ice and flew the sleigh out to the North Pole, resolving to honor his wife's nature by helping those who really needed his talents, just as Sarika had always tried to do. This all happened some years ago, and Santa Claus hasn't officially delivered any presents since then. Juniper When Juniper Lane's father died, one of the more thoughtless children in her class, a boy by the name of Rusty Johannes, commented that she was halfway to being an orphan, a remark that he'd felt certain would make nine-year-old Juniper cry in front of the other children in the playground. However, Juniper had fixed him with quite a piercing gaze and said, I think you must be very unhappy to say that, Rusty. Is everything all right at home? Her father had often said, mean words are the fruit of a sad tree. So Juniper couldn't help wondering what sad thing was making Rusty so mean. After a few days' surveillance, Juniper deduced that the main reason for Rusty's meanness was that he didn't seem to have any lunch most days. And so, Juniper asked her mother for an extra sandwich in her own lunchbox, which she slipped to Rusty in the cloakroom before assembly every morning. This secret sandwich drastically improved Rusty's mood and because the sandwich was made with high-fiber bread, it improved his bathroom regularity too. That little episode should tell you quite a lot about Juniper Lane and what a special person she was. Before we get swept into Juniper's adventures with Santa Claus, we should deal with the name Juniper Lane, which seems to refer to a place rather than a person. There's a simple explanation for this. Juniper's father, Briar Lane, had been the park keeper for London's Cedar Park. And so when Juniper was born one Christmas morning, it seemed only fitting that the Lanes should name their beautiful daughter for the Juniperus Virginiana, or Red Cedar Christmas Trees, after which the park was also named.
when the smitten parents brought baby Juniper back to their cottage in Cedar Mews on Boxing Day after only a single night in the Portland Hospital's maternity ward. It seemed as though all three would live happily ever after. And they did. Not exactly ever after, but for a time. Okay, so if we want to find out what happens next, we'll have to read the book. Oh, and in this story, Santa is disillusioned. That's quite a big word. Can you explain this in simple language for our listeners? Well, Santa, we all know Santa. He's this jolly character who delights in giving presents to kids and gifts at Christmas. And he's a beacon of hope for the entire world. As long as Santa's working, um, we know there's hope. He's going to help. And as a writer, you think, well, what would happen if I stopped Santa working? What effect would that have on everybody? And it has a terrible effect. So uh, poor old Nick, uh, his, his wife passes away and he's so upset. He's so upset by this that he decides, you know what? I don't want to spend my time giving presents to children who don't appreciate them. And he forgets what he loved about Christmas in the first place. Uh, and the world becomes a slightly darker place because of this. And so Juniper, uh, this wonderful 11-year-old girl, she decides this is not good enough. I need Santa Claus to go back to work. And first of all, I want him to find my mother who's missing because Santa knows where everybody is. And second of all, I want him to start bringing hope to people again. And she does this very simply by being herself. She's such a wonderful, positive child that Santa sort of begins to feel a little bit ashamed of himself that he hasn't been doing the job that he was supposed to be. But it's a lot more complicated than that. And there's a lot of adventures and chases and comedy and all the things my books are known for uh, crammed in there. What do you think Santa's ideal Christmas present would be? I think this is a very simple one. I think you would just give Santa a red envelope uh, and in that envelope there would be a card and on that card it would be you can have Christmas Eve off. So just one time he doesn't have to go or even he would go but maybe he would just stay uh, in the sleigh and watch someone else do the work. And the reason for this is not because he's lazy. It's because for Santa Claus, that one night in the sleigh lasts for a year. And he's so in love with his wife. He loves his wife so much that the worst thing for him is to be away from his wife for a whole year. And the rules of Christmas are only one person on the sleigh, only one person. And that is, that is whoever is Santa Claus at that time. Um, because there have been several Santa Clauses uh, down through the years. So uh, he has to wave goodbye to lovely Sarika every Christmas Eve. And I won't see you for a year. And I, if I wasn't going to see my wife for a year, I would be heartbroken. I really feel Santa's pain there. And yeah, so if we could give him a day off or even better, relax the Christmas rules and say you can have two people on the sleigh. That would be fantastic. All the secret information about Christmas that I had no idea about. Did you research that, or is it all your own creation? I think it's all my own creation, but sometimes stuff seeps in that you don't know about. But for me, you have to have rules, and it was the same when I was dealing with the fairies. If, if, you, if you don't have rules, magic always wins. There's no competition. So it's the same with uh, Santa. If there's no rules, he can just do whatever he wants. He can just disappear at any time. 
so I had to like take a lot of his magic away from him so he wouldn't be quite so all-powerful. He have very specific rules so he can't just escape whenever he wants to. And actually some of his own magic is, is used against him when he gets uh, trapped in Santa's own sack. So it's an interesting way to make a level playing field. So it's going to be a real competition. And the worst thing is if it goes wrong, not only will Santa not have his magic and be stuck in Santa's sack forever, but someone who is not deserving of that magic will get the magic and they will use it to make money, which is not really the spirit of Christmas. Oh, as if they're hijacking Christmas. Hijacking. That is the title of my next book. Thank you very much. I will take that. <laughs> Owen, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure chatting to you. My pleasure. And I think this book sounds like a lovely way to get into the spirit of Christmas. I hope so. Okay, bye. Thank you. Hey guys, if you like this episode, please share it with your friends and family. It is one of the best ways to support BKFK Storytime.